think about Jesus saying, I didn't come to abolish it, but to fulfill it. Here now, he's actually saying, and to double down on it. I'm actually going to deepen your need for obedience. I'm going to move beyond your outward actions into not only do I not want you to do that, I don't even want you to think it. Welcome back to Study with Friends, a weekly dive into the questions and answers we find in the Bible, the church, and the broader Christian faith. I'm Paige, and today we are continuing our study of the Sermon on the Mount. The format for this study is different in that it's an eight-week program with five daily segments designed to help you take a much deeper dive into Jesus's words and their application for your life. This is currently week five, but you can find the previous week's recordings, the homework, and many more resources all on our website, studywithfriends.org. This is week five of the Sermon on the Mount Bible study. It's an eight-week study. We're now on the other side of that halfway mark, which is great. Last week, also studied um, a dense, dense passage about Christ and the law. And that passage about Christ and the law really tees up the rest of the sermon. And so we're going to read that in just a little bit. But it's important for us to have it in mind as we come in. All of the sermon is cohesive. So everything we've done up until this point, it's like math. It builds on itself. And so we want to kind of be mindful of what Christ said about uh, how he didn't come to abolish, but but fulfill the law. And now in the sermon, he's going to start to really get granular with what the law means when we uh, adopt it in our hearts and not just in our actions. And so we're going to read through some really challenging parts of scripture. Things like divorce, they're very difficult to talk about. They're they're difficult for people to suffer through. And inside the church, we don't always get it right when someone's going through that because we don't necessarily understand exactly what Jesus meant through these passages. So we're going to try to unpack that together. As I was writing the study, it's tricky to decide what to include in which segments. But the reason that I included all of this passage is because it's really segmented well for us to do in five days. So we're going to do that together and hopefully that'll make sense. But it is a massive piece of scripture. So we're not even going to read it. I would encourage people to read it on their own for the sake of time, setting up for this this time that we're spending together. And also I want to say at the beginning of our time together, there is an appendix in the back of the book that gives additional resources because so much of this text is challenging and uh, can be triggering or cause pain or confusion, or God forbid, somebody feels judgmental about someone else who's going through these things. So what I did was I tried to put some really good resources provided to me by wonderful pastor friends for further reading. So I'm going to say that off the bat, we are not going to do everything that could be done with this text. We couldn't possibly, but there are some great resources for people to utilize in the appendix. So we're going to start with how this big passage does lean on the passage before regarding Christ and the law. So in order for us to do that, Cheryl, I would love for you to read us uh, Matthew 5, 17 to 20, if you would. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly, I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. 
For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. So this is last week's text. Okay. We really need to use it as a jumping off point. Can you tell me just your summarized thoughts on what Christ was saying in that passage about not coming to do away with the law, but coming to fulfill it? And specifically in verse 20, when he issues this, what seems to be incredible challenge of our obedience and righteousness exceeding that of the Pharisees and scribes. Just off the dome, what's your thought on that particular passage? I'm thinking for myself that, I mean, all of scripture is the same story. So God had truth when he gave everything in the Old Testament and the law, and yet it kept pointing forward. And I think that's the word that Christ is using for fulfill, Mm -hmm. that it keeps being fulfilled in him and future in when the kingdom comes completely. And so he's saying none of that was, is negated. It wasn't true. It just keeps moving forward into a deeper and deeper place. It's moving out of actions into a place of a transformed heart, which mm-hmm. is what all of scripture is really pointing to. That's great. Yeah. yeah. Other, thank you. Other thoughts on that? Yeah. I just think like the law doesn't lose importance just because Christ came and like set us free from the law. Like he set them in place for a reason because like as his followers, we're called to be righteous and like uphold those things. So perfect. How about you, Eva? The law is God's word too, you know, so, and Jesus is the word. So it's it's all encompassing. It is of God. So we need to cherish it and live by it and write it on our hearts. Mm -hmm. Without it, uh, we can't know the depths of our sin. Mm-hmm. The law is hard, <laughs> but to, to cherish it as God's word as well, because it is, can help us be more and more like Christ. For sure. And one of the things that we really sort of lifted out last week is that obedience and love of the law, not just obedience like, okay, I have to do this because, you know, it's part of this checklist this sterile checklist that i'm just doing because i have to or someone told me love of the law is the evidence of a transformed heart and you all mentioned that the other thing is that really important i mean honestly you could spend an entire eight week study on this section of scripture because what christ is doing here is he's teaching us how to read the entire old testament and and what professors call that is a messianic reading of the old testament but basically it's like hindsight is 2020 Like once you see how God's plan continues to play out, you have a greater understanding of what he was doing before that might have been confusing at the time. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that we could probably all relate to that in our own lives, right? I mean, uh, something that has happened, any something bad, something scary, something confusing, something challenging that you didn't understand at the time, or you received as one thing at the time. And later, as you walk with the Lord, you recognize, oh, he had something else Mm -hmm. he was building at that time. And I had no idea. I walked through it and I did the best I could with it, right? Like we, like the, they did in the old Testament with the law, they did the best they could, but in the light of new developments, or new revelation, you know, in our own lives that God finally shows you, he just opens it up to you and says, 
this is what I was up to. So that's an interesting way for us to kind of personally receive what he was really doing in the kingdom. And I think we probably all have examples of that and might be a little personal. So I'm not going to ask you to give those examples, but I'm just want to tickle your imagination so that you think of those examples and you can kind of apply it in parallel to what God did in the Old Testament. So it's really about what you guys said, you know, that true love of the law is not about outward obedience alone, but it's about inward transformation. Mm -hmm. I think it was a word that you used, Cheryl. So, so now we're going to look at this passage. So again, this week's passage is Matthew 5, 21 to 48. We're not going to read the whole thing, but what I'd like us to do as we kick off this week is talk about the contrasts. So did you all notice any phrase that he said again and again? And again, I'm just going to give you a hint. We're jumping off from this passage on the law. And then he starts to say something again and again and again. Um, did you notice what it what it is that he reiterates again and again? There's a phrase that he uses. But I say to you. Right. So what's <laughs> the whole it. phrase? Have You've you heard it said. But, but I, I say. Right. Right. Perfect. So what's he doing there? What's that about? as you gaze on the whole passage this week. And then in day two, we're going to dive into individual chunks. But today we're just kind of sitting above the whole text. So what is he doing there? You have heard, but I say, especially in the context of him saying, I didn't come to throw that away. What is he doing then? He's contrasting what they, the teachings that they've been hearing of the law and their, and the interpretations from other Jewish authorities and saying, okay, you've heard it interpreted it this way, but I'm coming to you and saying, eh, maybe they got a little wrong in here. Like, this is what it really means. Right. Yeah. Do you agree? I do. Just, it, I don't know if it's a, an aside or whatever, but the law, one of the reasons for the law was to actually reveal sin and the scribes and the Pharisees have made it a way to actually be saved mm -hmm. <laughs> through adding mm -hmm. all of these things. Mm -hmm. so saying, Perfect. Like, it's really out of whack. So you thought you could do this, but right. I'm saying it's really something different and only can be done through a transformed heart. But you've, you've tried to figure out how to do it. it that is so perfect, point. Cheryl. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Because the Pharisees, and we're going to dig into that a little bit, and we do in the homework, that they had sort of tacked stuff on to the law. Mm -hmm. And in some cases, they are trying to make it more stringent. In some cases, they were trying to relax it so that it could be accomplished. Self-salvation. Right, yes. right. So great point. Anything to add, right? Yeah, I just think like Jesus is contrasting like the law with the actual, the action with your motive. Like mm -hmm. it's not just about, oh, don't just murder someone. Like if you even think a thought of anger towards them, that's sin against them. Like because that's not loving them. Because yeah. like the first commandment is to love the Lord your God and then to love your neighbor. Like if you let anger or lust or anything burn within you like that, that in and of itself is like a sin. Mm -hmm. And I think Jesus continually contrasts those things. Like, you have heard this, but it's not just about not murdering. It's about something a lot deeper. And like throughout the whole passage, he brings that up and contrasts it. I love that you're pointing that out because if we think about uh, Matthew seven five seventeen to 20 as a jumping off point and we think about Jesus saying, I didn't come to abolish it, but to fulfill it. Here now, he's actually saying, and to double down on it. Mm -hmm. I'm actually going to deepen your obedience, your need for obedience. I'm going to move beyond your outward actions into 
not only do I not want you to do that, I don't even want you to think, think it. it. And so these passages, of course, 17 to 20, if you think about it that way, really sets up the rest of, I mean, certainly mm-hmm. everything we're looking at this week, but the whole rest of the, of the sermon. Because if you look in your Bible at the passages, um, the headings, which we actually dealt with in the week where we talked about salt and light. And I, I did mention that you got to take these headings with a grain of salt because they aren't part of the original text, but they are useful sometimes. If you look in, at the headings for the rest of the sermon, it's murder, adultery, divorce, oaths, eye for eye, love for enemies, giving to the needy, fasting, judging, and so forth. And so that passage about, let me explain to you that I'm not doing away with the law and now let me explain to you how deeply the law engages the gospel mm-hmm. and the gospel mm-hmm. engages the law. Yeah. This is why the study of the sermon is so impactful if we do it in concert with the spirit that lives in us because it teaches us exactly how to adopt the gospel in a kingdom way in a way that that affects our our lives and the, the lives of those around us. And so, you know, eight weeks is certainly not enough to study <laughs> um, the sermon. But we always say, like, we're going to do a little bit and you go do more. So hopefully folks will do that. So we're, we're just recognizing <clears throat> that that Jesus is giving a, a more true interpretation. Uh, one of the ways that we said it before was he's reframing. He's not rejecting. He's reframing the law. He's saying, okay, you heard from the law. By the way, you're right about the Pharisees and the things that they did and said. But in many cases, he's actually quoting the Ten Commandments. So he wasn't necessarily quoting shenanigans that they tacked on. Mm -hmm. He was like, you have heard, do not commit adultery. That's good. You Mm -hmm. heard that from the Lord. Mm -hmm. Now I'm telling you, here's how we deepen that. Here's how you really embrace that to your point in your heart and in your mind. So that's huge. This is probably a question we've already answered, but just quickly, does it affect, if so, how you read the Old Testament in light of Jesus's reframing of it? Think about it from a Jewish to Christian standpoint. If you didn't believe that Jesus was the Messiah, would you read the Old Testament differently than you read it as a Christian, knowing the gospel covers, as you said, the whole thing? I think we sometimes give the Jewish people a bad rap. (laughs) Not all of them had the Holy Spirit. Only certain people were blessed to have the Holy Spirit during that time. And so being able to see kind of past just just the words Mm -hmm. into something deeper, unless God reveals that to us, you know, it's not going to happen. In our base nature, we we see, you know, don't commit adultery. Okay, don't don't sleep with somebody who's not your spouse. Like, that's right. easy enough, right. right? And you think you can do it. But in the light of the gospel and what Jesus teaches, he takes it so much further into our, what you're saying, our thought life and how we are so base, <laughs> debased mm-hmm. in our in our. So what I'm nature. hearing you say is we can look at the Old Testament and recognize we can't accomplish it on our own strength right? because of the gospel and our understanding of the gospel. And if you don't look at it that way, it it feels unaccomplished. I mean, it feels like, okay, you know, some people are going to look at it and take it and be like, okay, I'm just going to nose to the grindstone and do the things. And it's about self power. But the way we read it is about the power of the spirit who gives us the strength to adhere and comply and adopt and love the law that changes everything because it changes it from this external checklist, unaccomplishable 
that actually was designed to show us that we can't do it and we right. need to save you <laughs> to something that we actually can do. We can do this. We can't do it all every day, all the time. We're going to still make mistakes, but by Christ, we are freed from the chains of sin. We're no longer bound by that sin to inevitably mess up. Thoughts? Yeah, I was just thinking, I don't know if this is exactly what you were asking, but like (laughs) without the person of Jesus, like we have that to look back, like he loved us so much to die for us. Like it is the least we can do to submit to his spirit and like obey what he leads us to and the convictions that we have. And like the Jewish people don't have that, like they don't believe in Jesus. So they don't like, it's all about, I'm, I need to measure up. I need to like abide by this law, but I don't have like Jesus to look to as an example and like know that he loved me so much to die for me. Like I should, I can love a person and like there's a person tied to it. It's not just like a law of written things that we have to obey. That's so good. Because it's like a relationship. You want to like, I want my like father, I want Jesus to be like pleased with me because I love him and like he loves me. And you feel that love. And it's the love that is the motivator. Mm -hmm. It is the gratitude. Yeah. Yeah. Along with the spirit, right? Mm -hmm. So our hearts intersect with the spirit. And that's so good. I love that you said there's a person attached to it. Mm -hmm. Because I know I can't do it on my own. Like my human love is going to fail and it's going to falter. But like, Mm -hmm. I know I have the spirit in me to like bridge the gap. Yeah. I'm like, my flesh is weak. I know that. But like his spirit in us. He's strong. Does it? It's <laughs> so good. See, now you know why we got this. So just thinking again about the whole picture, so that the Jewish nation wasn't, they had what God gave them. And the law, not only is it um, revealing, it's supposed to reveal their hearts that they can't accomplish it, but it's also a picture of God and his character. And their way was not to try to fulfill it. The, the way that um, their sin was handled through the sacrificial system. But they didn't even use that well. I mean, they, they, that was their faith in that, um, mm-hmm. looking forward and um, not trying to accomplish the law, but they, they switched it around. But it's sort of like, I don't know, if you're in a mountain range, there's close and then further and further. So that was real and true for what it is, but God keeps deepening it, furthering it, mm-hmm. and gives us the vision for not only Jesus fulfilled this, but it, it, it's a picture to what our kingdom is going to be like one day there won't be any of these things because our hearts will be completely transformed so we're in that funny place of revelation being unfolded already not where, yet yeah mm-hmm. to where to where we're going so it's so good it's exciting yeah it is it is and that's why we did the subtitle about kingdom living in this study because it's about jesus is teaching us about his kingdom this is what my kingdom looks like um so good you guys okay Um, I have a couple more questions. I want to be mindful of time. So I'm going to kind of go through them a little quickly. Um, Ryan, would you read Matthew 22, verse 29? Then Jesus answered and said to them, you are mistaken, not knowing the scriptures nor the power of God. Okay. So my, my ESV says something like you are wrong because you know, neither the scriptures or the power of God. What are some ways that the culture and even the church might get the scriptures and the power of God wrong? And what what are some implications that might have on our ability to adopt the precepts of the sermon? So that's a big question. 
So I'm going to say it again while you kind of ruminate on it, although it wasn't your homework, so I hope you wrote something. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so basically, I want us to look at that Matthew 22, 29, where Jesus says, you're wrong <laughs> to, to the audience he's speaking to at the time, because you don't understand the scripture or the power of God. You just don't understand it. Um, there's a surface level, but I'd like us to go a little deeper and think about the ways that the culture or the church gets it wrong and how that might impact our ability, our ability as a church to adopt the precepts of the sermon. I think because, because we still deal with our sin, our, our tendency is to, is to use this somehow to justify ourselves. Mm. And, and that, that leads us to using scripture to our own benefit or twisting it for our agendas. Um, and like you said, the, the culture can do this and, and the church can do it um, without realizing it. Um, you know, not, not relying on the Holy Spirit. So I'm hearing you say we can use it to make ourselves feel better. Yeah. Um, don't sometimes we also use it to make other people feel bad. Oh, yeah. yeah. Which is tied to us trying to make ourselves feel better, right? We like mm -hmm. to put other people in a place that makes us mm -hmm. feel holier than thou. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that's a, that's a good note. Um, any other notes on how we do that? I mean, it's it's yeah, deep and wide <laughs> page on ways that we yeah, do we it. Yeah, so. just a short. So, give me a summary. Give me like your best note. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I have to scan really quick. There's so many ways uh, we we cherry pick verses. We don't keep them in context of what the fullness is. We can use scripture as just it's a social reform, you know, in politics or you know whatever or um, impossible standards. You know, forgetting that it's. Uh, the spirit transforming that we make it a you know a list of things um uh pretty good yeah you can you can boomerang back if there's one that you like yeah. i have to say it is there <laughs> anything from, from i was here? just thinking like people can use grace as an excuse like it's mm -hmm. paul talks about that later in the new testament like should you keep sinning because we have grace certainly not like you can't just be like oh well, i'm a sinner and like I'm going to mess up, so it's fine, but because there's grace to meet yeah, me. Like, so I don't even need to try. Yeah, because there's so much sin in our culture, and there's so much sin around the world. Like, yeah. we can use it as an excuse to fall back on. Dietrich Bonhoeffer calls that cheap grace. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I leaned heavily on uh, about seven books as I was writing this book, and his uh, book, The Cost of Discipleship, was one of them. Mm -hmm. Um, and he calls that cheap grace because he's saying it comes at no cost. Mm -hmm. uh, and we actually explored that a couple of weeks ago. So I'll just refer people back to our, yeah. our, our talking about that. But great note to, mm -hmm. to raise that again. Um, okay, so I am going to, well, let's end on that. Well, we're, we missed a couple of things from the homework um, w that I'm just going to do a drive by, which is um, one of the scriptures that we lifted up to uh, reaffirm how seriously Jesus takes the Old Testament and how he doesn't um, think one iota should be set aside. Um, I think one of the great examples is the temptation mm -hmm. of Christ, and that's in Matthew 4, verses 1 to 11. And um, 
his response to every temptation is to use the Old Testament scripture. And so uh, that's just a great example that I want to just drop in there and and, uh, people can spend some more time looking at it. But uh, that's good for this week. Thanks again for joining us today on Study with Friends. We hope that you've found some deep truths that will strengthen your walk with Jesus. We here at Study with Friends are modeled more like a small group, and we encourage you to find one through your local church. Make sure to find a church where the Bible is taught in every situation. Study with Friends is a completely donor-supported organization. If you've been blessed by our ministry, would you consider donating? Monthly partnerships are particularly helpful, but no amount is too small. We also love to hear from you. You can stay connected on all the major social media platforms or by email. You can find links to all of these on our website, studywithfriends.org. If you've missed any episodes and are out on the go, be sure to catch the ladies on any of your favorite streaming platform, or you can catch the ladies via video on YouTube. We hope you have a great week and we'll see you next time when we study with friends.